Amen. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. I can remember several times as I was growing up, um, there would be a time of revival in our church. And uh, we had meetings scheduled. And these meetings sometimes would end up going two or three hours. There would be people being saved. There would be uh, people making up with other people they were upset with. Uh, and there were special times. There were times where we were revitalized. Uh, and then I can remember one time in my ministry uh, having a season of revival. I like that even better. Where uh, God just came down. We had some people fasting and praying and seeking the Lord for his movement and for the reaching of lost people. And uh, God just came down. He began to work and move in our church. And it was for two months we had revival. And it was just the, the greatest time of my ministry uh, because of God's presence. You could just sense the presence of God in such a powerful way as you came even into the building before the services started. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Uh, you could just tell God was all over it. And what I found was that every facet of what was going on was different. My preaching was different. There was a special anointing upon my preaching. The worship was different. There was a, a, a difference in the freedom of the worship and the intensity of the worship. Uh, the invitations were different. I, when I first went to that church, it, it was hard to get anybody to come down. Uh, I... At that time, we would have the conviction of God just fall upon people, and they would be people confessing their sins at the altar and praying out and weeping before the Lord, uh, people being saved. It was amazing and wonderful. Uh, there have been seasons of great awakening in our church in our uh, not our church history in our in our na national history um, that have come from time to time. And uh, those seasons of great awakening were uh, kicked those things up a notch because they didn't just affect a local church, they affected regions and areas and even a whole nation. Uh, and generations were impacted by what God did at that specific time in history. Well, the scripture we're going to look at today deals with just such a, a, an awakening of God's presence and His Spirit uh, in the lives of a group of people who are seeking His face. Uh, you know, I'm convinced we need the refreshment of the Lord in our lives. We need His encouragement. But churches need revitalization. Churches need to be encouraged. Uh, cities and countries need to be encouraged and turned back to God. Uh, how desperately we need Him. And especially in the darkness of the days in which we live, we need the work of God, the unusual move of His Spirit. Well, this actually came as a result of persecution. There's two, two fellows who were apostles, Peter and John, who were persecuted uh, for their faith, thrown in jail, uh, commanded not to preach the gospel, and they said, look, we're going to, to obey God rather than men. And so they went ahead and uh, went to the church and told the church what had happened. And they began to have a season of prayer. And something special happened in this season of prayer. Now, they weren't praying that God would deliver them from persecution. 
they were praying that God would give them boldness to speak. And the Bible says that God just shook the place with his presence and his power. And the result was everything was given a a new sense of God's power and of his presence in that uh, church there in Jerusalem. Uh, It affected people, it affected the outreach, it affected uh, the fear of God among the people because God reached out and took care of some issues in the church in a very, which we'll see here in a moment, some very vivid ways. Um, But it also uh, affected the generosity of the church. Uh, It affected the reputation of the church and the community. Uh, All of these things were affected by this move of God that took place among the people. And so we need to pray, pray for God's work and His Spirit's unusual moving in your life, in your family, in this church. Uh, But pray that God would give us such a, a work and a move of His power that it would affect this region, that it would affect generations to come. You know, we, we serve an awesome God who can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Oh, that God would visit us with his great power. The title of my message is The Spirit's Unusual Work. The Spirit's always working, but this is the Spirit's unusual work. Look with me in Acts chapter 4 and verse 32. Now, the entire group of those who believed were one of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. With great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. For there was not a needy person among them, because all of those who owned lands or houses sold them brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid them at the apostles' feet. This was then distributed to each person as any had need. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property. However, he kept back part of the proceeds with his wife's knowledge and brought a portion of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Ananias, Peter asked, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the proceeds of the land? Wasn't it yours while you possessed it? And after it was sold, wasn't it at your disposal? Why is it then that you plan this thing in your heart? You have not lied to people, but to God. When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. The young men got up, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Tell me, Peter asked her, did you sell the land for this price? Yes, she said, for that price. Then Peter said to her, Why did you agree to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Instantly she dropped dead at his feet. When the young men came in, they found her dead, 
carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Then great fear came on the whole church and on all those who heard these things. Many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. They were all together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared to join them, but the people spoke well of them. Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers, multitudes of both men and women. As a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats, so that when the Spirit, when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. In addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. So the Spirit's unusual work. What work do we see? Well, first of all, we see his unusual evangelism. Look at verse 33. Now, they've already been winning people to Christ in a remarkable way. Uh, but verse 33, it seems like it's been kicked up a notch. He says, with great power. The apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was on all of them. Unusual evangelism. Uh, I, I believe that there is such a thing called the gift of evangelism. If you've got that gift, God has given you a special gift of reaching people for Christ and of training the body of Christ in evangelism. Uh, but this is a remarkable work of evangelism. This is an unusual work of evangelism because it comes with great power. Um, perhaps there has been a time in your life where you have sensed the power of God in your life and what you normally would have done for Christ is done on a different level with a different power. And uh, what an amazing thing when that takes place. Did you know God can do an unusual work of evangelism? He can bring a great power upon his people to reach people for Jesus Christ. I can't think of anything more wonderful than that. That God would use us to reach these people, our neighbors, our family, our friends around us in this community for Jesus Christ and even overseas. Did you know we can impact people overseas? I, uh, I prayed for Brother Carlos this week in my, uh, my personal time with God and his ministry down there in El Salvador. Uh, listen, I believe we can touch people on the other side of the globe through our prayers as we uh, see the power of God move in an unusual way. Um, D.L. Moody says, and gave testimony, he says, I preached the same messages, but there were some ladies who prayed that God would anoint me with power from the Holy Spirit. And he said, all of a sudden, when I began to preach the same exact messages, I was having all these people come forward to be saved. What was the difference? The power of God had descended upon his life in a special way. This is what can happen with you and with me. I had a, uh, a fellow that we were, we were doing evangelism together down in Texas, and a good fellow. And I was, I was, I was at, I said, I said, well, listen to him. I said, I want you to take this one. You, you talk to this lady. And he said, okay. He said, I'm not too sure about this, but I will. And so we began to talk, and, and uh, he, he got in the car with me after he said, something happened. Something happened. I said, well, what was it? He said, 
the words just started to flow. It was just easy. It was just coming to me. And I said, Tim, that's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> the Holy Spirit was using you. And uh, he was all excited. And, uh, he, was, he was a trucker. And he would go and he would witness to people at the truck stops where he went and uh, had many conversations with people about Jesus Christ. But what an amazing thing that God would use us. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The power is of God. It's not of us. I want to tell you something. If somebody gets saved in this church, it's not because your preacher's a great guy. Okay? It's because God in his mercy chose to use a weak vessel and to minister his grace to a heart that needed to be saved. Listen, it is the work of God. Pray that God would do an unusual work of evangelism in this church. That his spirit would be moving in an unusual way. And then say, Lord, I'm willing to be used. You know, that's a key. If you're going to pray that God will work, you can't say, but Lord, don't use me. <laughs> you got to be willing to be the instrument and the vessel for him to use. So, the spirit's unusual work. What do we see? We see unusual evangelism. Secondly, we see unusual generosity. Unusual generosity. Look at verse uh, chapter 4, verse 36. Uh, it says, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus by birth, the one the apostles called Barnabas, which is translated son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. It was unusual generosity. Now, Barnabas wasn't the only one that was doing this kind of thing. The church was in a revival. And part of the fruit of that revival was that God was moving people to sacrificially give. They were selling their possessions so that they could give to people in need within their church body. They had thousands of people in their church body. Apparently there was a great need. And they, they just felt impressed of God to, to begin selling possessions to meet the need. Now, I've seen some great giving people over the years. This church is a giving church. Uh, I've seen some people who had the gift of giving. That's a spiritual gift, in case you didn't know that. Uh, God gives some people the ability to earn money and the delight to give money, to meet the needs of the church and the outreach and so forth that God is doing. And I've seen, uh, I've seen them donate to... Uh, uh, one one of uh, donated a pipe organ to our church at the time, and uh, the, the, I've seen. We had one guy. He didn't. He wasn't a wealthy man, but uh, the church needed a copier. That was the first church I was in, and he purchased a copier for the church and just put it in the front. And he nobody but me and him knew about it, and he was sitting back at the back of the church just watching in delight to see what people's response to this copier would be. He was just filled with excitement because he got to give. So God uses people in those ways. Uh, I've seen people uh, give by faith to building programs and in some cases sell things to give to building programs. But what I've never seen is God move in such a powerful way that the church as a whole was doing sacrificial giving to meet the needs of people in the, who were in need of benevolence and help. Um, this, this was just a remarkable work of God. I don't believe this is, by the way, is prescriptive. What I mean by that is I don't believe that this is supposed to be the pattern all the time. 
but I do think that we've got to be open for it to be a pattern, right? Uh, God has said that uh, everything we have is, belongs to him. We're bought with a price, right? We're bought with the blood of Jesus. And so we give tithe. A tithe is a 10% of what you, what you earn. We give offering on top of that as, as God leads us. Um, and, and these are normal things that we do. But we've got to be willing to give the sacrificial gift as God leads us. Oh, that God would give us an unusual generosity to reach the world for Jesus Christ. Think about this. Um, I'm told that 20% of God's people do 80% of the giving. 20% generally in churches across our land, and by the way, I'm not talking about our, in case you think I'm looking at what you give, I don't know what you give, okay? So relax. All right, but I'm speaking generally here. Across, across our country, I'm told 20% give 80% of what is given to the church. Many do not fulfill their responsibility in giving in just the basic ways in the church. What could God do through his local churches if we were obedient in giving? It's exciting to me to think about. The, the people that could be as saved in our area, the people that could, the missionaries that could be sent, it, it's mind-boggling to think of what God could do through the generosity of his people. One of the characteristics of a genuine revival is it brings a remarkable love to the hearts of God's people. What this isn't, this isn't communism, okay? where you go and, and you're forced by someone to give what you have to somebody else. That's not what this is. This is the Holy Spirit of God moving in individual hearts in such a powerful way that, 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 that love is overflowing and they willingly give to the needs around them as the Spirit leads. Now that's, that's a powerful thing. Um, so the Spirit's unusual work resulted in unusual evangelism, unusual generosity, unusual fear. Perhaps this isn't what we would think, but uh, verse 5 of chapter 5 says, uh, When he heard these words, Ananias dropped dead, and a great fear came on all who heard. Okay, So this is kind of an interesting story. One of those... Um, Stories maybe that's not talked about as much, but uh, you've got this great revival happening. The Spirit's working in a remarkable way, and people are bringing money to give, but you've got this, this couple that they want to be seen as generous, so they sell a piece of property, but they keep back part of it for themselves, and they bring, back the, they bring the money to the church to lay at the apostles' feet. And they tell it. Peter says, is this what you, what you received? And he lies to Peter. But Peter says, you're not really lying to me. You're lying to God. He drops dead. Can you imagine that? <laughs> Aren't you glad God doesn't strike us dead for disobedience like that normally? Okay? 
But in this case, why did, why did God do that in this case? I believe that the Holy Spirit of God was moving in such a powerful way and God was doing such a great work. He said, I'm not going to let somebody get in the way of it. So his wife comes in. She doesn't know what's happened to him. They've taken, taken him out and buried him. You know, and In those days, in that hot climate, you buried him quick. But uh, probably there's also some fear because in the Old Testament, sometimes you'd be considered unclean if God's judgment was upon you. You know, hey, separate from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, right? We don't want to get a part in this judgment. You know, if they're going to be uh, swallowed up by the earth, we don't want to join them. And so we're going to get our distance from them. And so, so they're taking that body and they're burying that body. They're getting rid of the body quickly. Um, she doesn't know about it. She comes in. Peter says, is this really what you, what you guys got for your, for your sale? And she said, absolutely, it is. And he says, you've tested the Holy Spirit. She dropped dead. And it says there was great fear. I hear people, Christian people all the time trying to explain away the fear of God. I don't think this was just respect. I think this was Fear. I don't want to be next, right? I think we could use a little bit more of that kind of fear. I think people, we've forgotten that our God's a holy God. Now, yes, as, as Christians, as those of us who know Christ, uh, we are under God's grace and his favor. But God still disciplines us, right? Listen, there have been times I've been afraid. Have you, ever, have you ever done something you thought, well, you know, I'm going down this path, and uh, is God going to meet me at some place you know, on this path? I don't want to do this. And, and so uh, there's, a, there's a sense of fear. Now, listen, you don't need to come to God. You need to come to God with boldness in your quiet time with him. You need to be, um, there needs to be a friendly uh, and a, a sense of being accepted by God. and uh, But we know that, that though God loves us, though he delights, though he welcomes us to come into his presence as his children, there is also the sense that God is holy, that God is not mocked, and that if we go down a path that hinders the body of Christ to the extent that God knows he needs to do something about it. He, he, can, he can take steps to do that. Uh, if we go down a path of disobedience, that God can bring discipline. Listen, discipline sometimes is not pleasant. And God, if we don't listen, just increases the pressure. Hebrews 12 talks about why does God discipline us? It's because he loves us. He wants us to partake uh, in the fullness of life in Christ, the way he desired and the way uh, he designed things to be. And so he disciplines us so that we repent and we can live the abundant life. But uh, he also reserves the right, because after all, he is God, to take special measures at special times for the sake of his kingdom. So kind of a sobering thought. There was unusual fear. I would guess so. Can you imagine? Um, I, I had a friend, I've told you this story before, but it's a great story, so I'm going to tell it again. Uh, one, of my, one of my friends in, in college 
there was a fellow in their church who was constantly causing problems in the church. He was constantly offending people, constantly causing an upheaval among the church body. And uh, my friend had, uh, had been concerned. You know, the church had just been struggling. And, uh, and so he had begun to pray and, and everything about, uh, God, God, would you bring your blessing and everything. Well, he's preaching a message on judgment. He said, I wasn't thinking about where I was pointing. I just kept preaching and doing my normal hand gestures. And he said, my, I just happened to point, and I pointed. And when I pointed, I pointed straight at him. And he said, he fell dead. And he said, of course, my message was over. We were calling 911. Um, he said, and he died. I mean, they tried to revive him, couldn't revive him. And he said, and our church entered into revival. People started being saved. The church started to thrive. He said, God took the one barrier out so that the rest of the church could thrive. And I think he did it in a very visual way. The same type of thing. And there was an unusual fear. Uh, so, I, you, did, did y'all ever, did y'all remember when you were growing up? I know that it's not popular to spank your kids today. Um, the Bible, by the way, does teach that, uh, appropriate for defiance and that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, I can remember my mom saying these dreadful words. I'm going to tell your daddy when he gets home. All of a sudden, this fear crept into my heart. Because mom, you know, mom, if she spanked us, it, it, you know, it wasn't pleasant, but it wasn't that big a deal. But if dad spanked us, whoa. We didn't want any part of that. Usually we began a campaign to try to get mom to change her mind at that point. But uh, can I tell you something? We shaped up. I think we've lost something. And, and by the way, do you know, how do your kids know how to respond to the discipline of God? They learn to respond to your discipline in your home. Right? You're teaching them. Now, if you do it the right way, you're doing it not to... To hurt them, you're doing it to provide a little sting that causes a deterrent, right? Uh, and, and it teaches them that when they make the wrong choice, there's a pain with that choice, and it keeps them from making wrong choices as much in life, right? It teaches them self-control. It's a good thing. Well, God does the same thing with us. And by the way, if your kids don't learn how to do self-control in your home, then God will have to teach it to them, and the, the law enforcement officers will have to teach it to them. No extra charge for that. Um, so uh, uh, so this, this unusual work of the Spirit, um, what work? Well, we see his, the unusual evangelism, the unusual generosity, the unusual fear. Next, we see the unusual unity. Verse 12, many signs and wonders were being done among the people through the hands of the apostles. <clears throat> they were all together <clears throat> in Solomon's colonnade. Now, those words all together in Greek are the word often translated of one accord. They were of one accord in Solomon's colonnade. Uh, there was a unity. Now, this is emphasized in the book of Acts. This word keeps showing up and keeps showing up in the early chapters of the book of Acts, because of the Spirit's work, there's a unique unity in the body of Christ. Uh, unity is, 
something that is sometimes used for people to get their own way, right? I remember a fellow telling me, well, uh, this is what I think we ought to do. And I said, uh, I said, well, I don't agree with that. And, uh, you know, he said, well, he said, God says we're supposed to be unified, so you need to do what I say. <laughs> uh, listen, that's not what this is talking about. This is not un- the unity of compromise. This is the unity when we are so in tune with Christ that we're in tune with each other. Uh, Ward Wiersbe shared uh, the story about this uh, piano tuner that was tuning these different piano instruments. And he says, you know, if you use the same tuning equipment to tune these different pianos, they're all in tune with each other. So if we all get tuned up to Jesus Christ, we will be in tune with each other. That's the kind of unity he's talking about. They're so filled with the Spirit uh, that, that their agenda is Christ's agenda. Uh, They're all seeking to please Christ. They're all seeking to put themselves last before Christ uh, so that Christ can be first in everything. And there's a unity that comes about as a result of that and is produced by the Holy Spirit, this unusual unity. How is it that people from different nationalities, different walks of life, different social economic situations as God's people, can be unified together in the same purpose for the gospel and the kingdom of God. It is a work that is supernatural, and it is done by the Holy Spirit. There was this unusual unity. Um, Wherever you get a group of people together, there's going to be disagreements, right? If you're married, you know this, right? You and your spouse will not see everything eye to eye. There will be disagreements about different things. And, uh, and that's fine. Uh, but when the Holy Spirit of God comes into a situation, then we're able to take our disagreements to the Lord, right? And if our hearts are truly surrendered, God is able to lead us in the direction He wants us to go. All right. So the Spirit's unusual work. What do we see? We see unusual evangelism, unusual generosity, unusual fear, unusual unity unusual impact. Look at this. Uh, Verse 14 of chapter 5, it says, uh, Believers were added to the Lord in increasing numbers. Multitudes of both men and women, as a result, they would carry the sick out into the streets and lay them on cots and mats so that when Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. By the way, you know what I see missing here? There's no appeal for money. You didn't, have to, you didn't have to pay money to Peter to go sit by the side of the road and let his shadow pass over him, right? If somebody's asking for your money to heal you, go somewhere else. They're not of God, okay? Um, so, um, <clears throat> verse 16, in addition, a multitude came together from the towns surrounding Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those who were tormented by unclean spirits and they were all healed. Where, where are they from? The towns surrounding Jerusalem. There was unusual impact. I share with you the, the, the story about the revival in my previous church. That affected my church and some people in that community. But it, it didn't affect the whole region. It wasn't a revival like this. Most revival is... Revival, little r, 
okay? Uh, that most of the revivals we experience, they're a little odd revival. The true spiritual awakening changes everything. Not just in the local church, but in the city. Uh, I'm told that uh, during the times of, of the great awakenings of our country's past, uh, you'd have uh, the houses of prostitution would shut down. They'd have no business. Uh, the, the bars would shut down because the, the alcoholics quit drinking. Uh, you know, the jails were empty. Uh, all of these things were taking place. Why? Because it was such a powerful work of God that everything was different. Everything was changed. That's what we need in this country. It was an unusual impact they were having. People from all around, from other cities, were traveling there to Jerusalem to be touched by the power of God. This was the impact they were having. And it was truly unusual and remarkable. And multitudes were being saved. This is Billy Graham on steroids, okay? I mean, that, multitudes. I, I guess you'd call it a multitude, but all the people that come down to the Billy Graham crusade. Well, this was multitudes, uh, plural. Now, you want to get an idea? 3,000 saved, 5,000 saved. That's what we, the amounts we've been seeing in Acts. And those, they, they numbered those. Here they've gotten past the numbering. This is multitude. Oh, you can't count it. There's so many people being saved. We can't even count it. That's an unusual work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you may be at a point where you're just learning how to walk in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, what an exciting journey for you to be on. As you begin to pray as the Spirit prompts you, as you begin to share a word of encouragement as the Spirit prompts you, as you begin to Talk to that lost person about Jesus as the Spirit prompts you. You can see God begin to do some things in your life that will be very exciting to you. Others of you have been doing that for years. Maybe God wants you to take it to the next level and, and you to walk more deep. I don't think we ever get to the point in this life where we have arrived in how we walk with the Spirit and how, how we walk with God. We're always having to work on that. And, uh, but we can do that. We can pray, God, help me. Teach me how to walk in your spirit. Teach me how to be an effective uh, instrument in your hands so that the spirit can use me to be a blessing to other people. Uh, that's a powerful prayer to pray. And you will be blessed, and your family will be blessed, and this church will be blessed uh, as you do that. Uh, but, oh, could we pray for an unusual work of God's spirit in this church? that will touch and bless not just us, but bless people out in this region uh, in which we live. Oh, that God would do it. The Holy Spirit has an unusual work. We need to know that, right? We need to know that that is a possibility for God to do something remarkably special. Uh, God's hand is not too short to save. He's still able. He's still God. Um, and we also need to know that God can work in us personally. Listen, uh, there may be times where the people as a whole do not seek God in the right way. But you still can, right? And you can have the blessings of walking in the Spirit of God as you are willing to respond to Him. So the Spirit's unusual work, would you be a part of it?
you know Jesus Christ, you can be a part of it, and you can ask him, Lord, fill me with your spirit. You need to do several things to be filled with the spirit. You need to have your sins confessed to God. Uh, you need to have uh, a heart of repentance, and, and the spirit will help you with that. Uh, you need to be placing your trust in him, and he can help you with that as well. And then you can ask for the filling of the Holy Spirit, and he will fill you and use you. Uh, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, you don't have the Holy Spirit living within you. You can't be filled with the Spirit because you don't have the Spirit. Okay. Now, the Spirit may be working in your heart to draw you to faith in Christ. You may have sensed that still, small voice in your heart, uh, that tug upon your heart to come to Christ, and that is the Holy Spirit's work. But you don't know what it is like to have a relationship with Him, to have a relationship with God. Uh, you can make that decision today to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. And you do that by choosing to repent of your sin, to turn from your sin in your own way to follow Christ. It's a decision of faith. I'm choosing not to trust in myself in my own way. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm going his way. I'm choosing to trust him. Uh, it's also a receiving of a gift. <clears throat> the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So uh, we receive a gift, and we do it in simple trust in Jesus Christ. And so if you'd like to make that decision, I'm going to invite you to come here in just a moment uh, as we begin to sing. Uh, if you're here today, perhaps God has moved upon your heart. You sense this is where you're supposed to worship God and to be a part of this church body and to serve here and uh, be involved in the ministry here, give, give here, whatever. And uh, so... Uh, if you sense that in your spirit and you'd like to get that process started, I'm going to encourage you to come down. Say, hey, I'm ready. I want to join with the membership of this church. And uh, we'll let you know what, uh, what steps uh, need to be taken and, and can present you and get you started on that path. Um, uh, whatever God may be laying upon your heart, perhaps he's spoken to you about something I've not spoken about today, but this altar is open. Uh, if you need prayer, I'll be here at the front. And if you need Jesus especially, please come see me here at the front so we can get that settled. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your faithfulness in our lives, God. Thank you for um, the, the fact that you've given us the Holy Spirit to help us in this life. Uh, Father, teach us how to walk in the Spirit. <clears throat> help us be faithful to you in the walking in your Spirit. And uh, fill us with your power. God, those that need Jesus, I pray that you give them special grace to come and make a decision for Jesus. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You